coming up. We're talking about what's coming in the next few years to the theme parks in Orlando with uh, Dwayne Bevel, senior reporter for the Orlando Sentinel, coming up next. This is the Diz Unplugged, episode number 652, for the week of October 15th, 2013. The Diz Unplugged is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, coming to you from the Bob Varley Studio in Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friends, John Magi, Kevin Close, Julie Martin, back in the production nook, Huey, Louie, and Dewey, uh, <laughs> Craig Thompson on the switcher, Dustin West, and <laughs> Sean Thompson. Why? Why are, you, why are you shaking your head at me? You said Craig Thompson. Yeah. Did I? Did, Craig, I did. I, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Craig Williams. Because I understand that. Dustin gonna, West and Sean Thompson. I know their names. Because they're going to hyphenate, aren't they? They are. <laughs> Thompson Williams. <laughs> Oh, Lord. And, of course, a very special guest joining us in the studio, Dwayne Bevel from the Orlando Sentinel, is here with us. And, uh, you know, over the last several months, we have been talking quite a bit about um, the various investments that are being made in the theme parks. And I think right now, in the last few years, I think starting with Harry Potter, um, it's just kind of been this new age of, like, mega investment in the parks. And we see really the benefit of competition for as far as the the guest goes the benefit of competition between universal and disney trying to one-up each other with these with these projects of and course sea world and well sea world sea world i think everybody. to a lesser degree i think to a somewhat lesser degree sea world but certainly you know you've got harry potter and then there's you know now we've got avatar land and you know disney by star wars for god's sakes and now there's a whole new land about that and um and i just think this is a really really interesting time and um I thought uh, would be I've been you know wanting to invite Dwayne on the show and uh, certainly all of you or anybody that does anything on the internet has definitely come across Dwayne's work. He is the uh, theme parks reporter for the Orlando Sentinel. He's there at everything and um, so welcome to the show first of all, Dwayne. Thank you very much. I'm one of the theme park reporters. We well, have that's right. You have a legion. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Rangers, right? A couple. Well, the Rangers are sort of yes, but. <laughs> uh, I'm sort of the last standing ranger of the original rangers, but we do have, you know, Jason Garcia. Well, Jay, of course. Sarah Clark, who are full-time attractions, tourism reporters. Right, right. Yes, and Jason, of course, yes. a, a good friend of ours, been on the show a number of times. Um, you know, the uh, timeliness for this is good, too, with the announcement a few days ago, the, uh, the update, I should say, about Avatar Land, which... You know, the running question has been with Avatar Land, are they or aren't they? Right. <laughs> um, because they made this big announcement and then everything got quiet and all these all these rumors coming out of the battles between James Cameron and Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, what have you heard? What have you heard about what's going on with Avatar Land? Uh, same things you all hear. I mean, for a long time, nothing was said. You know? And... and there's a vacuum and so people fill it with well it's not happening yeah and you know? especially on the internet but even from the beginning they were very vague about when and it seemed far off as oh breaking ground in 13 or 14 wasn't it and even yeah yeah so it's like well what are we waiting on and we still don't really know but i thought james cameron looked happy 
you well, know? It, it, he, <laughs> he looked and, healthy and happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, there's a, there's a, a lot of... Uh, uh, there's people on both sides of the Avatar land, excited about it, not excited about it. We're just talking about that in the last, the last segment. That you know, Sean's not particularly excited about Avatar Land. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things it has going for it, uh, I think, is the fact that uh, James Cameron's going to release at least two more films in the Avatar series, and I'm going to imagine that the release of the next film and the opening of this area of Animal Kingdom are going to be fairly close together, and. Uh, could could be very interesting, but it does you know bring up the larger point. One of the things we have talked about a lot is the amount of money being invested in Universal by Comcast. Right. Um, this incredible, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. We heard 500 million a year is what they're willing to keep investing, um, <laughs> and you know that's an extraordinary number. Mm-hmm. But you they're know, eventually going to have to build up. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Or down. This after they sold off part of that land and built those apartments, right, right there, so they could use that right now. <laughs> well, you know, Maybe this we'll is buy it back. But this has also <laughs> been part of the problem for Universal and the constant change of management. Um, right. I mean, you had Vivendi, you've had Seagrams, exactly. you've had uh, GE and uh, NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've got now you've got Comcast. They're changing they're changing ownership like underwear. Right. They didn't at first. It didn't seem like they were interested in the parks at all. The current owners. And now, well, they must be. <laughs> well, you don't put money where you don't want Harry, to stay. They see the money coming in from oh, Harry sure. Potter. Sure. I mean, they're like, oh, wait a second, really? We invested $200 million and this is what we're getting back? Let's put our money in there. But also, wasn't the expansion for Harry Potter before the, the sale? No, I believe it was after. Was it after the sale? I'm almost positive. I think it's after. It's after the sale. It's all over. Um, and that, you know, of course, there's a lot of excitement generated around that and, and when that's going to happen. And, um, I just I, I wonder what the landscape of this town is going to look like ten years from now, with this mega investment going on. Um, well, how- I mean, even get beyond the theme parks, you know, Orlando itself is going to have to do some major infrastructure uh, investment because when you look at I four and you look at all those surrounding roads, it's a mess out there. How are they going to handle that much tourism and the increase in people visiting? I think that's something they have to look at beyond just the parks. Well, that, that was one of the things I was going to mention was that, you know, how much more tourism can this town grow before changes, real changes start having to be made? Um, and where do those changes get, you know, get paid from? We talked about that crossover bridge, the flyover bridge for Universal being paid for with tax dollars. One of the things that one of our listeners just sent was, a, I, I apologize, Kenny, you sent me the information and I don't have it with me. Apparently that, the, the train, the high-speed rail from South Florida up to near the port and then over the 528 corridor. And it's called something like Hello, Florida or something like that. But I th- understand that's pretty close to being done or done. I thought it was called the Sun Rail. Sun Rail, yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's part of some other... Sunrail is partnering with somebody. It's but like, that's the one that's supposed to go through Florida. Orlando. This is the one that's going to come up along the East Coast, I oh. understand come to the uh, near Port Canaveral and then come in via the 528 corridor. Um, I think that's going to make a big difference. Well, Dwayne, as somebody who covers this for a living, you, you, you make your living paying attention to this. What are you excited about? What stuff that's coming up are you, you know, you're kind of looking at saying, okay, I think that's going to be really good. It's kind of split right now because we can see Harry Potter part two, mm-hmm. you know, although it doesn't seem to change that much. You can tell they're working on it, but from what we can see, I take a picture every couple of weeks. It's like, well, 
this is the same picture as last week, but uh, <laughs> take it anyway, just in case. Uh, but actually, this last little round of Avatar got me a little more interested in it. I, I didn't care about the movie. Okay. They can make me care about Avatar Land, but it better be good. Huh, that, 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 yeah. So I'm interested in what they've given us, sort of, although it didn't tell me anything. Do <laughs> we we were in the paper, oh, they, they released details. Well, no, they released pictures. Do we know where it's going to be in the park? Because there was all that discussion about how they were going to get rid of Camp Mini Mickey and, and the... But they are, they are clo- they have been closing down that area, right, haven't correct. they? So is that where it's going to yeah. go? Yeah. See, to me, that feels like... I don't like, think they've actually said that, but yeah, that's why I, I run things. Right. To me, that feels like a very small area. I don't know what's beyond the, It that. could go into a lot from there, couldn't it? Yeah. Sure. So, could. Disney's also, good at building theme parks on and, parking lots. You know, there's... Right. There's a... <laughs> and I also don't know if there's any unused land behind there. It could yeah, always there's, be... There's a, all the all that's uh, directly behind Camp Mini Mickey is an access road that just goes all the way around the park. Um, so they would just have to, you know, move Push that the over. park back into yeah. that area. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, talking about land and we're talking about Universal versus Disney, I think is one of the things that Disney definitely has in its favor competitively is the fact that they have a lot more land than Universal does. As you said, Kevin, Universal at some point is going to have to start building up because they just have no place else to expand. They did have a lot more land, which they, as you pointed out, Dwayne, they sold off to make apartments, um, which at that time they had to because of that. That was that owner. That was that owner. <laughs> right. And this has been Universal's biggest hamstring, in my opinion, has been the, the, the lack of consistency in management um, has led to a lot of different policies and a lot of different foot soldiers on the ground, making different decisions, moving the company in different directions. These poor people don't know which way is, is up. Right. Um, it seems like the transition from NBC Universal to Comcast, though, has been a lot smoother. Um, it doesn't seem as, as jarring as it was when it went from Vivendi to Seagram's and um, that, the, those, those transitional periods. But I do think that, you know, when I think about 10 years down the road, competitively, Disney still has the advantage. Um, they have the consistency of management, and they have the land. They have the they land. Have, they have the land. They could put even more hotels if they needed them, well, you know, which is the secret, and Universal <laughs> wishes. Right. Have, right, but that was also part – I mean, I don't mean to go back to the beginning, but that was Walt said. We right. have the blessing of size. Right. Yes. So oh, – also, Walt, Disney World also has the benefit of sort of in-house capabilities. If Universal wants to build a ride, build a ride they have to kind of go out of – somewhere else and buy a ride mechanism or they have to contract for it where Disney can tap their Imagineers and do it. So it seems like that's kind Which of... they don't do often. Well, they don't do often enough for sure. Well, they they, can, they use yeah. off-the-rack stuff a lot. But I think that they have doesn't that... It doesn't go that much faster. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So The, the other problem is, is that uh, and I've pointed this out in the show before uh, Universal doesn't own a lot of the intellectual right. property that appears in its parks. So, and, you know, from our standpoint, I am imagining with the Sentinel, they don't give you the kind of problems they give us when it comes to taking photographs um, and video and things like that, in ter- that, that they are so, especially where Harry Potter was concerned, oh, oh my lord, well. um, because Warner Brothers owns the IP for that, basically. They represent it on behalf of J.K. Rowling. So everything Universal did, I mean, literally, when we did our party there, credentials had to be approved by Warner Brothers before we could use them. I mean, it was insane. And Disney doesn't have to go through that. That was also, you know, one of the advantages Disney had in building 
and then MGM Studios, as uh, Universal was building Universal Orlando, was that Disney could write its own zoning zoning laws and it and approve its own permits because of Reedy Creek, whereas Universal had to go through the county and the state and, and the city, and that took a lot longer. So that's why. You know, Disney was able to start MGM Studios after Universal broke ground, and they were able to open up several months before Universal did. Um, and so, I wonder how these issues are going to play out in, in in terms of you know where Disney's advantages are. Uh, it doesn't seem to have hurt Universal in terms of what they've done with Harry Potter. It has been their game changer. It has absolutely, absolutely. been the game changer. All of a sudden, now they're playing with the big boys, and they've got and you can tell Disney's worried. But you think they were surprised, right? Universal was how with how well it went. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that impression that they yeah. were. I think they knew it was going to be good, but I think what their impression of good was at that particular stage of their life. Yeah. And what ended up happening was well beyond their wildest, wildest dreams, and that's why I think Comcast is dumping out the wallet, saying, "Okay, here you go. Good theory. <laughs> here you go. Mm-hmm. You know, keep buying these properties. Every time I'm in that park, we're being you're being surveyed." You know about what movies you like and what. what Don't you think they've done that for a long time? They surveyed me once about uh, a Family Ties musical or something. It just seems crazy. Okay. These guys would be happy about that. You know, I'd go once, but you know, they seem to ask things that are never going to happen. A little bit older. You know, maybe it's some fancy surveying herring. I don't know, but they're always doing it. They're always always doing it. And they're also Long just and tedious. Oh my gosh! But there also seems to be a new over the last few years. There's a new energy at Universal, and you can feel it. It's kind of like this excitement and success of Harry mm-hmm. Potter has kind of permeated through everything. Universal needs to do what they did with Jaws, make way for something else. I kind of feel a that, little more readily. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of think that way about the ET ride. Oh, yeah. I think that's a movie that's. A couple generations old now. Mm. I think it's time. I don't think it has the impact that it used to have. I think it's time for them to freshen some of that up. And I, I think one of the issues that they have with a lot, and I don't want to spend too much time on Universal, but um, one of the issues that they have is that Steven Spielberg uh, is so involved in both of those parks to an extraordinary. That's in one of the ways they got, they were able to really get the doors open was Spielberg was on board. Spielberg was on board, and I don't think they can pull any of those, attra- those some of those attractions out, his attractions, without his blessing. And ET, he's always talked about that is his, yeah. that's well, his it's, jewel. It's the last original thing there, I think. Yeah, right. That and Lucy, which yeah, doesn't count. Well, doesn't really. No, exactly. <laughs> Lucy. Actually, like going in there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I love, I, I love I that exhibit. It, I actually, I'd hate to see ET go away as well. Oh yeah. It just—it's sentimental it, about it. It is—it's it, it is, a sentimental favorite. But one of the things I did notice at Halloween Horror Nights, and I mentioned this, was the the cast there at Universal in general was phenomenal. And that's where I'm saying I just—it just seems like this new energy there that um, you know they're having success now, and it's kind of building on itself. And there's this real, and like I said, in talking with people at Disney and, and kind of knowing Disney from my my angle both from the travel industry side and, and from this side. Uh, um, you could tell, while they wouldn't say anything outright, you could tell they were nervous. They were nervous about Harry Potter. And, I mean, they've been posting good numbers and stuff. But, you know, at one point, Bob Iger said, no more capital investment. Right. And then they turn around and buy Star Wars. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah, I, no more, I, I wasn't talking about that. That's not a capital <laughs> investment. 
and now now we're talking you know star wars land and you know we we had said that uh, cars land was coming i'm still believe it will um uh at some point they're seeing how successful that is out there and i think the more nervous they get about the expansion plans universal has i bet the iron man ride that's going up in japan comes here eventually also probably you're you're talking about um, the the change of landscape in the in the not so distant future. I see two things as far as Disney is concerned: revitalizing Hollywood Studios, and in addition to Avatar Land in general, creating um, Animal Kingdom Park to be a nighttime park. Completely changes the way I think you have your Disney vacation experience. Uh, well, it definitely adds some options, and you know you bring up nighttime at Animal Kingdom. We were talking about that in the last segment. Uh, what does a revitalization of Hollywood Studios look like, though? It looks like Star Wars Land. And Cars, and Cars Land. Land. And Focus. Right. Focus is what that park needs. It is so all over the place in many ways, like Universal <laughs> Studios. like Universal Orlando, yeah. It's anything that doesn't fit, and I've said this a million times, anything that doesn't fit into any other park, dump it into Hollywood Studios, and that's what you get. <laughs> and it needs some focus. It needs that one section to be nothing but Pixar and that one section to be nothing but Star Wars and really get those themed lands together. They also need to take out some dead wood there also. Yes. The Indiana Jones ride or uh, show and cars, lights, and traffic lights are That's gone, it's called. isn't it? No. It's gonna, the stunt show's going. The, stu- the stunt show they announced they were going to close and bulldoze. No, the great movie ride. Please, for the love of God, someone uh-huh. do something with that now. I would like to see The Wizard of Oz yeah. stay, and I'd love- like to see everything else gone. <laughs> just ride through black. I just think, no, I mean, like, different movies. <laughs> I think those are classic movies. I think it's time to redo the movie at the end. Oh, that? Oh, yeah. 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 Where Bette Midler's still relevant. Right. <laughs> hey, now. I love Bette Midler, but come on. She's, you know. The newest movie in there is from, what, 1982? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like, We've had a couple sentences. It's like Terms of Endearment. Right. Yeah. They added Forrest Gump, didn't you know? Uh, maybe. So, I mean, we look at it like uh, a tit for tat. We look at it like they're doing this and they're doing that. Is that something you perceive is going on in the industry or do you think it's more of they're just doing their own thing and it just looks like you're going to build this land so I'm going to build this I don't think it's tit for tat I could be wrong I think you don't, a, you don't I think there's a bigger plan than that you know and you might they could be nervous and change their mind but I mean how many how many things have I heard about Hollywood Studios yeah you know that's definitely going to happen I started to make a list but you know well we're still waiting True. on one of them to happen you know <laughs> so I but I Particularly with Universal, I think Universal has a plan, and they stick to it. I think I'm waiting Disney for Universal to announce that they're going to revitalize down or um, CityWalk. No, it could happen. Well, well, they're revitalizing downtown Disney. Well, they're already they're building stuff at CityWalk right now. I for an think, exciting new uh, announcement at a later date. I think one of the things Universal learned was that one of the things that nearly decimated that park was Disney going to a new ticketing system. Uh, a few years back. The opening of Expedition Everest certainly drew a lot of people away. Now, Disney had a legitimate thrill ride, and that drew a lot of people away from Universal. But then the ability to add the fifth and sixth day of your stay for another 10 or $15 when Universal was going to charge a 70 kept people, and those two things just seemed to... Also, you look at things like Magical Express. Disney focused on the business of keeping people in their theme parks. Yeah. Or Universal focused on, how do I get people to my theme park? Right. You know, and who's the winner? Who Whose is coming out better? I don't know. I think it's... 
Well, I remember those, those the, 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 the couple of years leading up to the opening of Harry Potter, it really did seem like Sarajevo over there at Universal. Um, it was like a very like gray, cold place, and they were all very depressed because money was not good. Well, you could Attendance see the ski jumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like I said, you know, Harry Potter opened, <clears throat> and I think they learned something from that. And I think that Universal is saying that when Disney makes a change, we have to figure out what its impact on us is going to be, and we have to counter it somehow. Because otherwise, we're going to lose the gains we've made. They, these are hard-fought gains for Universal. Hard-fought. Well, this is another one of the reasons that we don't know much about Avatar Land. Because all that would do is telegraph. Exactly. True. That's a very else. good point. You know, it's like, we're working on it. And, oh, I like in the video, uh, we are far from finished. <laughs> you haven't broken ground. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but also, speaking to that, <clears throat> we see a lot more of that coming from Disney <clears throat> in, this, in terms of advanced information, which we never saw. You, yeah. you would see scrims and you would see walls. What are they doing? Right. Now they're more free with the information up front because they want to capture you and they want you to be invested in what's but happening. They, but they have a platform to do that now, wouldn't you say, in the Disney Parks blog. And D23 as well. And D23. Yeah. But well, that's because they finally realized that the true Disney fans matter. Right. Someone at Disney finally woke up and said, listen, we have to really play to our Disney fans and give them this information because they're, yeah. they're chopping at the bit. Not only that, but they've become, they're doing the most advertising for Disney. The fan base out there, oh, look yeah. at us. Yeah, I mean, by God, um, we, built an, we built an altar to it. Right. So it's, you know, we, Disney gives a little bit of information and we extrapolate on it. We're having this conversation. So, Matt, exactly. so it's better for them to control that information and get it out the right or, or time. Or at least get some of, get... And as he says, as Dwayne says, minor details right. out. And that what happens is then that at least it seems like it's a long time that the information's coming because way back when when they announced it, everybody thought it was going to happen the next day. We all want it right. to be now. We're all excited right. about it. <laughs> the announcement of Avatar Land was striking for its lack of detail, as you pointed out. Yes. And I think... Uh, I think part of it... I think you're right. I think part of it is because they don't want to telegraph their intentions, but I think uh, it's also a lot of it is probably James Cameron and Disney can't agree on exactly what it is they're going to do. And I think they had to make this announcement because they had to keep it. They were running the risk of it becoming just like urban legend, that it just simply wasn't going to happen. Beastly Kingdom. Right, exactly, exactly. I also hope that some of it is because they, they have to invent technologies. I also hope that some of it is it's stuff that they're looking to do that's not out there. Oh, like I think said, you have. Like it's not going to be a, a magic carpet banshee. No, 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 no. 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 You talk, look, you look. We're, we're talking about James Cameron and Joe right. Rohde. Okay, we're talking about two amazing creative minds here that have done already in their careers, in, respectively, incredible Joe things. He has a spinning triceratops. So it's not out of the question that you know we that put something else in. He also has Expedition Everest with the Broken Yeti, but um, <laughs> and that park in general. Um, so uh, you talk, we're talking about, irrespective of you know Chester and Hester's, uh, we're talking about two incredibly creative men with a very large budget. Right. Uh, well, they're, they're all going to have good ideas. It's just a matter of hmm. who who we're picking. Right. right. Which, which one we can afford? Right. You know, bang for buck. Which one can we actually make? Right. Which 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 one will work? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Disney has always reinvested in its parks, and they've always tried to open something new every few years. Um, it just seems like the competition 
has forced the dollar amount that they're spending on these things to go way up. I think the other thing that it takes into account is something that we've noticed. If you put out hints for people, even when we talk about our parties and events, if you put out hints for people, immediately the hints go to a place that's not possible. (laughs) And what happens is that just builds in disappointment. Exactly. All you're doing is disappointing people because their imaginations ran so far amok that no one could ever actually meet that. I mean, when we tell people we have a special guest, it's like we're bringing Walt Disney back. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you tell them what really cool guests that we have, they're like, oh, You think, well, well, that's why we don't announce it right, anymore. Right, that's what I mean. But we don't even <laughs> we don't give hints anymore. anymore about it. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, speaking of disappointment, this is a good segue into talking about Downtown Disney. Um, now, I'm not saying that the plans for Downtown Disney uh, are a disappointment, but I'm saying what's been accomplished so far in that regard has not been. It seems like closing the parking lots was a little um, jumping, putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, why don't you start something before you close every parking lot at downtown Disney? Because already, you know, because parking was so easy as it was. Right. I mean, you know, it was so There's easy. There's only to get so a- many places behind Cirque du Soleil. No, seriously, when we the first time we went, when they had first closed those parking lots, I told her, I'm like, where are we supposed to park? I said, if you're going to close it, at least put some freaking backhoes or something in the parking lot to make me think you're going to do something. Make it look like you're working. Let's talk about, let's just talk about the, the, the larger issue, why they're having to do it in the first place. Um, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, Pleasure Island was this hot place and, you know, it, 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 it drew all these people in. There was always, every time I would come down during that period in time, there was, Pleasure Island was always hopping. And then it changed. And it changed for CityWalk, which is why they were talking about revitalizing CityWalk. Um, because that model doesn't work anymore. And they well, it had, happened to... Um Church Street Station too. Yeah, Church Street was that was the first casualty. A couple well, of times. <laughs> Church, well, Church Street, Church Street was a casualty of City Walk uh, more than anything else. Uh, it was a casualty of City Walk. City Walk is more locals. Church Street was more locals. Disney was always tourists. Yes. You, we had some local traffic there, but Disney was mostly tourists. Whereas Universal and, and, and Church Street Station were both more local. And when City Walk opened up, that was just pretty much the death knell for, for Church Street. Yeah. And Church Street was cool, too. I mean, it still is now. It's, I mean, it's starting to come back. It's starting Nothing to, stays there. I mean, no, it, it doesn't it, last. They can't, they can't make the money. If, if I don't know what that is, maybe you should explain it for... Okay, Church listeners. Street Station is uh, an area downtown. Um, downtown Orlando. Downtown Orlando. Right across from the um, Orlando Arena. Uh, Amway. Across from the... Bo- <laughs> Okay, where the Orlando Arena used to be across yeah. from the Bob Carper. Bars, restaurants, stores. Uh, nightclubs. You know, nightclubs. It's mostly nightclubs and restaurants. There are no, like, sh- there's no shopping. Okay, well, they used to be. But, <laughs> okay. but it's, it's gone through a lot. Like I said, we were just talking about that, you know, the opening of City Walk pretty much destroyed that. At one point, that was kind of hot. Um, but uh, and they're trying to bring it back. They're, they're trying to. But uh, Disney Springs, Dwayne, what do you think? Um, are, are they... The plans that have been announced, do you think they're moving in the right direction with this? Wow. Huh. Well, I guess we'll see. You know, it, that's, the, that's a big non-answer. So I feel like <laughs> Are you feels, excited it, about the new shoe store? It feels like <laughs> right. a staring contest. You know, we keep looking at it and nothing happens. Well, they tore some stuff down. So and they close the parking lot. In, in a weird way, ex- that was progress. It's you know? hard, it, but it's hard to get excited because so many plans right. have been released and then nothing was done. Right. And so, yeah, right. that way I'll take, I'll take some destruction. You, those, yeah. things, those things were dead to us anyway. They were gone. 
But even when the drawings, and I'm all about the drawings, <laughs> you can't really tell. It's like there's water there. You know, we go out there and look at them, and it's there's well, does that mean mannequins is coming people. up or down? And, you know, and it's not like it's a blueprint. It's 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 just something a rendering. Like this. When, they're, <laughs> when they're clear, they don't have tenants for all that, or they would tell us. Do you are you one of the people that would like to see mannequins revived? Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> okay. But I, I'm not one of those people who believes that it will happen. Well, uh, we, we have a, we have one of our special correspondents, Tommy Sandvik, is like the he, he carries the torch for mannequins. He's, right. You know, he like ready ready to chain himself to the place to make him <laughs> reopen it. Um, uh, well, and <laughs> there were some people out there. There was a cult following for mannequins. And the Adventures sure. Club. And the Adventure. And the Adventure. Well, even more so for the that Adventure. That was more culty. Why? Why not bring that back somewhere? Like at City Walk. In some other, <laughs> no, in some iteration of it. I mean, it's it's all about money talks. And yeah. those things weren't generating the capital to keep them going. It had a very diehard fan. They're kind of like the folks that like the Titanic. The ship sank. It's not coming back. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the reality is of, of it is that Disney has to Kevin figure out. Kevin is harsh. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, it's like. Well, I know. Love yeah. Kevin. <laughs> so, yeah, so the first close every every break. They're, oh, it's, they're gonna bring it back at Christmas because it's busy then. Then spring break, and then for like two years there were the rumor rounds about that. And I thought, no, it's cobbled. And it would it's be great at, at like Animal Kingdom Lodge or something. You know, put it out there or something. What mannequins? No, <laughs> no mannequins was cobbled like two weeks after yeah, it first opened. Yeah. Those things were dusty for a long, long oh, time. Right, right. Oh, oh, Tommy Sandvik is just he's he's <laughs> plotting, watching, <laughs> plotting. So what does Disney have to make? downtown Disney into? What do they have to create down there to bring people in? The downtown Disney Shopping. at Disneyland. Yep. Because so far all they've done is rearrange shops and bring you, in a few new ones. But don't you think the downtown Disney at Disneyland is successful because you have to go through it to yeah. get to a park? I believe that that's why it's, it's a big part. There, but there's a performer. Yep. There's a live performer. There's a live artist. Well, Let's go there. What is it? What is it you think they should bring from downtown Disney and Disneyland and try and recreate here? Different restaurants. Uh, different shopping. I think those are destinations. If, if you asked me, I think Disney would benefit from a high-end shopping area. And I'm, I mean, look at the way those Dooney and Burke purses sell. Yep. They're $200, $300. Yeah. Um, I think that for... I think there are people who come to Disney who are looking for that high-end jewelry piece, for that high-end artwork. And I don't think there's a lot of places where you can buy that. They're selling no. the same imported souvenirs everywhere. However, I think, well, they're talking about putting in, talk about a niche market, they're putting running shoes in. And you can test them out by running around inside the store. Um, True. So I think... If that's the case, you could do that with other things. Look at the way D or um, Trendy took mm -hmm. off. Because you could only buy that stuff, and it was a little higher end than what's out there in Trendy. Right. So I think Disney needs to explore that market. Like they did when they first opened, everything was sort of specialized. You couldn't buy the same souvenir in every single shop you went in. There's successes at Downtown Disney because of what they are. Earl of Sandwich. Yeah. Tremendous That's success. So they have to do is they have to look for those individual things and not sort of worry too much about the whole theme of it. Right. Wolfgang Puck has fit into a couple our... different outlets that are all successful. But the Disney Springs project seems like they are trying to make that theme now um, and have things that kind of support that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I, don't, I don't go to downtown Disney that much. I live in town, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> 
when I'm there, it's crowded as, as heck. Right. Yeah. You know, so they don't have to do too much. But the other nice thing that. about that is that <laughs> takes And Disney up, Springs kind of strings it together. Right. Right. That's a, it's also an entertainment area that doesn't need an admission. Yeah. Right. And it's one of the things that after you've walked those parks, it's nice to go someplace and hang out. Mm. And I think a lot of people hang out at downtown Disney. They even hang out in the Pleasure Island part, and there's nothing there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't want to see empty storefronts, but and perhaps my that's goals for fantastic new things, my expectations, mm. Mm. It may be one at a time, and we'll never know when it's done, like magic bands. (laughs) Right, exactly. As as locals, we have different needs than as tourists do. Yeah, I don't want a Publix over there. Right, exactly. But we also, you know, Kevin makes a joke about fancy running shoes over there. I can't imagine, you know, we have the outlets. I think Dwyer Sneakers in the outlet. But there are people who would probably look at that as a cool thing and a cool destination. Right, and that's like... It's like buying a souvenir from a foreign country. You might, I just bought something that I can buy any place in the world in Germany, but it was cool because I bought it in Germany. You bought it in Germany, exactly. I could buy it in Millennium Mall, but it's cooler because I bought it in Germany. I see that that people who are racing at Disney or running at Disney will think it's cool to buy running shoes at Disney. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure. What about Disney capitalizing on some of their biggest events? What about food and wine? And things like that that go on, and and the Festival of the Masters that are a weekend. Why not try to capture that all year round? Why not have an artisan community? Down I don't there? know if it's just our friends or if it's just because we've talked it up, but it seems like the excitement around Festival of the Masters weekend this year has exploded. I understand. I noticed that there's yeah. not a lot of hotel rooms left. That people are having difficulty getting in that weekend. Yeah, I noticed that. And it's a good weekend. It's the end of food and wine. It's the beginning of the Christmas party, and it's Festival of the Masters. And I'm there's hoping it's going to have beautiful weather. <laughs> there's also a race that day. It's cooler race. weather. There's a race. Is it the what is it? The 5K. Uh, I think they're all that weekend. The food and wine classic. Okay. They're the um, I, I'm sorry. The food and wine. Uh, the wine and dine is what wine it's called. Wine and dine. Oh, yeah. Um. So I think, I think having that level of event there. I think that's that seems to me what Disney does or Disneyland does. They have every weekend. It, 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 there's always a live performer outside, and I'm not talking about those schools that come and sing. No, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like there's live performances there. People who are trying to make it big, you know, people who actually want to be musicians right. and artists. And I understand that they have the talent pool because they're in Los Angeles, but there's a lot of talented people. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you're like going to give them a stage in downtown Disney in Florida, I'm pretty sure some of them might fly in. Yeah, could be, could be. Um, you know, I'm interested to see where, what downtown Disney eventually turns into when they're done. I think that you know, the plans for Disney Springs look good. Whether or not they'll actually do them, there's a there's an I apologize, and that's and and that's the sad thing is that they've announced and pulled back and changed so many times that people have kind of lost faith um, in this. And I think that was one of the reasons that they had to say something about Avatar Land because it was starting to happen with that too. You made this big announcement. You're saying you're going to make it and now you're not. So people are starting to wonder, you know, what's going on. Um, and that's some of the stuff I look at that tells me that, you know, something must be, something must be spooking them somewhere. Um, Do you think that Disney uh, focuses too much on new hotel rooms? Because sometimes it feels like the announcement of a new DVC property or the expansion of a hotel is bigger than what's going into our theme parks. Too much? Mm. I think they focus on it for sure. 
you know, a lot of times on the parks blog, you'll read along is because now that's kind of where they break news. And if you don't read to the end, you don't find out what I want to know because the top of it is about the hotel rooms. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like keep reading, keep reading. Oh, oh, and it'll be open in November. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's split this all around and rewrite it. But and, the thing uh, is that is you, you uh, hotel room, no matter how they decorate it or what the theme is, that you've got that built. Right. At least on paper before you ever announce it. So, you know, there might be some minor changes. When you're announcing a new theme park attraction, mm -hmm. there's a great deal of creativity that goes into that that they might not want to leak. Announcing DVC properties at Grand Floridian, mm -hmm. everybody's like, oh, yay. But, you know, the excitement kind of dies off after that. There's not a lot of speculation anymore. You know, it's going to be a new hotel room. And we see pictures and you see mock-ups. But even there, even there, the, uh, the announcements and the plans and the expansions are much seem seem to me much more epic than they used to be in terms of their size and the cost and the scope of what they're doing uh you know i think back to the days when they opened uh mission space and they opened uh uh soren and it seems quaint by comparison now to the you know new fantasy land avatar land you know star are we, wars are we harry so potter jaded we can only have a land is it no well, no. What I'm saying is, no. I'm not saying that we're so jaded. I'm saying that um, that's what I'm saying. They've they have they, you know something. There, there's got to be some competition going on here, folks. Because, like I said, you know, think about it. When remember when Mission Space opened and how excited everybody was and oh my God, Mission Space, Mission. It seems downright quaint now. And I think like again, I think that because has of the scope and scale and. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the competition. I think it has I a lot to do with. I also think it has a sense. lot to do with what Dwayne's saying. We've made an announcement in October of 2013 for something that's going to open up in 2017. I find it hard to maintain that level of excitement. Right. <laughs> Especially for a movie you didn't like. Well, <laughs> okay, the trees are going to light up. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> I'm, so I'm almost no as excited about the Grand Floridian DVC. <laughs> I, I think to myself, there, it's hard to maintain that level of woohoo for four years. Although speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, Grand Floridian DVC, very nice job on that, Sean. The uh, blog. Thanks. Yeah. Um, saw that, and Sean put a blog up uh, recently on the. Uh, yeah, that opens later this month. So, when it opens to the public, we'll go and get more photos and uh, probably some video too. Awesome, but uh, you know, like I said, you know, just it just seems to me like the scale of it, the scale of all these announcements, is getting bigger and bigger, and it smells to me like one-upmanship. Well, Disney's also done, they've also shot themselves in the foot with some of these grand announcements. We're going to announce this on Good Morning America tomorrow. This hype that it's going to be webcast to the world, and then you find out they're getting new faucets in the Grand Floridian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. <laughs> well, they've done that a few times. They've done right. that, you know. But I think they've learned their lesson from that. I think they learned a lesson from that with D23. They had people guessing and all this stuff, and there was all this speculation. Then when they announced it, everybody was like, some people were like, like me, were angry. Do you remember when they had the people climbing down the side of the buildings in New York? Yeah. And it was like, they're getting new carpet on the magic. And you thought, <laughs> well, that's, a, that's actually a really good point, too. You talk about the competition between Universal and Disney. What about the cruise ships? The cruise ship is, the cruise industry is incredibly uh, competitive. So Disney has to revamp their ships and put, you know, uh, water slides and water things on it to have one-upmanship for other And then you have Royal Caribbean response to that right. with the... Uh, 
you know, the arm that comes off the side, it dangles you off the side of the ship. Right. No one else seems to see a problem with that. <laughs> at some point, at, that, at some point, they're just going to attach you to an arm off the side of the ship that dips you in the water as it's going by at 20 knots. You're out in the middle of the Caribbean in a glass bubble 300 feet above the ocean. Yeah, we just watched a roller coaster break down. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, subject to salt water and corrosion. Right. What could go wrong with a mechanical arm at sea? <laughs> So, I mean, I think this competition is everywhere. And I think Disney feels it and responds to it. And they could just sit back and say, you know what? We fill our hotel rooms. But why I'm, should we bother? But, you know, where you talk about Cruise Line, now this is, again, you know, one of these cruise ships, one cruise ship is basically the price of like a theme park. Um, it was $1.1 billion, I believe, each for the dream and the fantasy. And it cost them about that to build Animal Kingdom. But the, again, being, you know, 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was. Um, no, more than that. God, it's been it's like 15, 15 years. Yeah, okay. Um, you look at that, and I mean, these investments pay off for them. No question. Dream and the Fantasy have been doing awesome. Uh, their occupancy rates are fantastic. They're the envy of the cruise industry with their occupancy rates. And the amount of money that they're, that they're getting for a stateroom. Um, but yet, there is nothing, not even a whisper about new ships. Nothing. And that kind of surprised me because we always heard whispers well before the Dream and the Fantasy announcement. There were those whispers going around that there were some new ships coming. And we had heard that they were planning a roller coaster on a ship, which ended up being the Aqueduct. Right. Um, and we, you know, but we'd heard that you know, years before the plans were ever announced. Um, I hear nothing. I hear nothing. Well, if you look at Royal Caribbean, you can actually see that their opinion is that the, the cruise market is changing, that they have sort of reached the apex of the size of ships, that now they're going to go back down yeah. and make them more intimate experiences with horrifically dangerous things that will dangle you <laughs> over the ocean. But, um, but there's going to be bumper cars, and that bumper car arena is going to turn into a basketball court which is going to turn into an ice skating rink which is going to turn into a nightclub so it's not the imagination it's just that the size has gone down and I think that there's definitely they see a, a, a a shift in the way people want to travel. So I don't know. Maybe Disney's waiting to see what the shift is because they went bigger. Should they go smaller? Well, I think the I think the larger decision for them is: Do they want to remain a boutique cruise line, or do they want to compete as an actual line against Royal Caribbean, Carnival, the difference Princess? Is then, then it's going to affect the price point. <clears throat> Well, they're going to have to have, like all of these other cruise lines have, they have to have ships that are a little bit less expensive and ships that are a little bit more expensive. Okay. Right now, they can get away pretty much with charging the same thing. You know, the way they get the prices on the Wonder and the Magic is they put them in the Mediterranean, they put them in Alaska, and they bump the price up. Um, they've got their two biggest and brightest out of Port Canaveral now. And so that just by virtue of the fact that they're the newest ships, they get to charge a premium for it for a few years. Um, but I wonder... You know, is Disney going to be happy with that boutique status? Like, we've got our four, maybe five ships, six ships, and that's where we're going to stop? Or at some point in time, is a decision going to be made? Okay, you know, we really want to be in the cruise line business. We've gotten this down. We, we know what we're doing. And we're going to really make an effort to become, you know, a line. You know, we look at Royal Caribbean, 24 ships in the fleet. Um, you know, does Disney start buying other ships and retrofitting them? Uh, to to build the fleet faster is one. Of I would be surprised if Disney ever did that. Mm -mm. I don't know why. I just don't. I don't I see them doing would. that. Yeah. 
You never know. But that's just like, it's all speculation. This well, is all speculation. You're spending a lot of money there. Spending a lot of money there. Sure, sure, absolutely. I mean, you're, if you've added two more, you've added two theme parks, and when did they ever do that? Yeah. Well, that's why I'm saying, would you know, with all this capital expense going to Avatar Land and Star Wars and all that other stuff, I don't know how much money is left over for Cruise Line. Um, so well, they are they? <laughs> what's that? They spent their their allotment. <laughs> it was only two years ago. I know, but like I said, I, I really would have expected that we would have heard some kind of rumbling going on about you know possibilities of new ships and there are people know. out there who watch the uh the shipyards very closely and they mm-hmm. they're online and they check out their sure. schedules and there's no whispers of a disney ship 3 years 4 years down the road right exactly so, cuz these, these that's right these these shipyards are booked up right. well in advance so it takes a while to build one of these one of these things so it's uh it'd be interesting to see but cruise lines a good point that um you know, uh, where's that going to be? Where's, where's that going to be five, ten years from now? I would like to see Disney open in the United States a boutique, a boutique park similar to Disney Seas. With that, I've never been, but all I hear about is the level of creativity there is above and beyond. I, I've got to be honest. I'm stunned that Tokyo or that that Disney Sea or some version of it hasn't come to the U.S. Hmm. Given that. It is widely regarded as the best Disney theme park in the world. Right. Um, everyone I've, I know that has gone there has said the exact same thing. I've never heard a negative word about no. it. No. And um, very surprised that that hasn't worked its way back back over here. But uh, we'll see. It's, uh, it's, all, it's all speculation, all, you know, see what, what, what's going to happen. But I love the competition. I love the competition between Universal and... And Disney, and you know, I feel like we did leave SeaWorld out of this conversation, um, and not that SeaWorld's insignificant, but SeaWorld just kind of seems to exist in its own niche um, to a certain degree. That it's, it's, I don't know. I think it's, I, I think it's a very well-run park. I think it's a very immaculately maintained park. Um, Another thing is Legoland. They're Legoland. They, I just saw the advertisement. I have virtually no interest in Legoland. But they've already opened a water park, haven't right, they? But they right. also do the Dupo area. Those are the bigger blocks. The who? Yeah, right. the bigger Legos. The Dupo, Duplo area. The Legos are small, and then the, for younger children, they have the Duplo box, which yeah. are bigger. It's a toddler area. Right. Yeah. They've opened up a new area there, so they're still expanding too. Which is good because the first time we went, Ferris and Finley were much younger. It was almost it'll be two years ago on Ferris's birthday. They were barely big enough to do anything there. I mean, besides maybe like some slides and stuff, like all the rides were for kids older and taller. And I'm like, this is like the smallest little theme park I've ever been to, and they could not hardly do anything. How so, how, how has attendance been? How, do we know? Have we heard? Well, like, they're expanding, so it has to be. Yeah, well, they're expanding, but I mean, there's into a place they already were. Mm. But they're making modifications then, right. too. So, right. uh, there's so the barn, be they're some... closing the barn and putting three new things in, but. But there, then but there's there got to at least be enough. Were. There it's has in the middle to be of some, nowhere, too. <laughs> there has to be some sort of profit for them to keep doing this, don't you think? Uh, they love their sweet spot of 2 to 12 that we in town Does do not enough? understand. <laughs> you know, it's just like, what? They're closed two days a week. Well, we in town do not understand this. And, exactly. But it works for them. They have one shift. You know, it's, and it's different than what we have here. Well, they're also, like you said, they're out in the middle of nowhere. Well, that means lower taxes. That means lower pay. That means they can afford to run at a cutback budget. I mean, it took us an hour and a half from our house to get there. But when I asked, (laughs) when it first opened, I went out there and was talking to 
random mothers with strollers. <laughs> so what do you think, et cetera, et cetera. And well, what do you think about driving all the way from? And they're like, we're from Brazil. And so this is like across the street. Relatively yeah. speaking, mm. an hour isn't that big a deal. You're not going to go every week anyway. You, you talked know? about and an hour and a half from your house. It takes us almost an hour to get here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think once people pass Disney, they imagine that it's kind of like that old map of the earth. You're going to fall off the edge. <laughs> <laughs> you won't, by the way. Right. <laughs> You went. You made it back. Good for you. But you know, I haven't been out to Legoland. I just there's nothing there that sounds like it's appealing to me. They could have built um, Avatar there, Land. Yeah, Avatar it's not Land for you. Me. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. Is yeah. there room in Orlando for another theme park? Not Disney, not Universal, not SeaWorld. Could Hershey come out here? Could Six Flags? Is there enough? I business? think if Six Flags was going to, they would have already. Um, I don't think that that's like a 25 year old rumor. You know, yeah. Six Flags is coming. You know, yeah. well, we've got um, but, but not Bush Gardens. Bush Gardens is down in Tampa, though. Closer, so. but it's an hour. It's an hour. It's an hour and a half. Yeah, but it's closer to a Six Flags park with the amount of rides. Correct, that they have. and the type, type of rides. Yeah, right. So that's I, I don't. I see that as direct competition. And I think I, I think in terms of you know, is there room in town for another brand? theme park like Universal or Disney uh, I don't know I don't know I think I think those two pretty much have sucked the air out of the room you know, I, just I don't ask know the fun spot yeah just, <laughs> however have you seen the fun spot recently yeah they've it just added scares like me four, I'm never going yeah, there. I know but they've added like four new rides yeah. and the rides are like intertwined with each other but I think my point is that we now that we're coming out of a recession we see Orlando building more rooms more more uh, housing, more things like that. I think there's room for more here, whether it's and in a theme park or beyond. Every time I drive past a patch of undeveloped land, I'm like, okay, what's going to be there in a, in a year? Right. What if Legoland had been where Splendid China was? Oh, then it would be huge, right there, right there, It'd be different than anything else. And didn't Splendid they, didn't China. they try to do that? I don't Is know. Is that rumor? Is that fact? I'm supposed to say only facts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Are you surprised I, Splendid China lasted more than three weeks? <laughs> well, I that was, made it. But that was owned by the Chinese government, wasn't it? I think so. That was actually like a Chinese government place that was owned by the government, <laughs> which, you know, who knows what was going on there. All right. Well, we are out of time, but I want to thank Dwayne Bevel for taking time out of his schedule and joining us here. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. We're going to be back with you again next week with another edition of The Des Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everybody. And remember, stay out of the damn lakes. Have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>